There are two questions that I get all the time from real estate investors. The first one is, how do I find deals or how do I find more deals? The second one is, how do I get funding for those deals? Well, I've got you covered. I've created a program that will help you find all the deals you could ever want and also how to fund all of those deals. It's called the Real Estate Find and Fund Blueprint. That's right, it's a blueprint that will teach you how to find those deals and how to get them all funded. If you go to findandfundblueprint.com, you can check out the details, you can get signed up. It's a four week program. I have designed it specifically to make sure that you leave that program with 100% confidence that you can find deals and get them all funded. It's by far the biggest problem that real estate investors have and they've always had this problem and I'm here to solve it for you. I wanna get right down into it. We're gonna get into the weeds and talk very, very specific about finding deals and getting them funded. Go check it out findandfundblueprint.com. I can't wait to see you. Yeah, most one of the top things I see, especially with the template type of websites like CarrotVestor, all those types of sites, is everyone has all those sites. They're great because you can stick up a website in five minutes and they convert really well, but they all have the same content. Like everyone yeah. has the same content except they change the city page. So one of the top tips I can give is yeah. rewrite the content. Like rewrite it unique for you because think about it from a search engine standpoint or computer standpoint. If you have two different websites with the same words in the same order, how can the search engine determine which one's more relevant? So you right. kind of get penalized. So it's a good way to get the upper hand. Rewrite the content, make it uh, geared towards user too. Don't just keyword stuff. You're listening to the Just Start Real Estate Podcast. If you're serious about your real estate investing business and need real answers, you are in the right place. And now, your host, Mike Simmons. All right, thank you for joining me on the show today. I appreciate it, appreciate you being here. I have a great guest for you guys today. Uh, it's all about finding motivated leads. He runs a company that helps people do that. He's been doing it for a long time. He has spent over $5 million on marketing strategies. He's figured out what works and he's here to share it with us. His name is Brian Driscoll. Uh, he's a real estate investor, a digital marketing and SEO expert, and the co-founder of Motivated Leads, a digital marketing agency that helps real estate investors expand their portfolios quickly by generating quality motivated seller leads. He has over a decade of experience doing SEO for both large and small companies, startups, and Fortune 500 companies. And he's been recognized by Forbes as the major publication, I'm sorry, he has been recognized by Forbes and other major publications for his work. Uh, we had a fun conversation. He dropped some gold bombs. This is a good one, guys. Get ready because this is going to help you find more and better leads for your business. All right. I give you Brian Driscoll. All right, Brian, thank you for being here. Thanks for being on the show. I appreciate you doing it. Hey, thanks for having me, man. Absolutely. Uh, I think what we're going to talk about today is hugely important for real estate investors. Uh, we, we chatted for a moment before we hopped on here live. Uh, and I do think that, you know, not to spoil what we're going to talk about, but finding uh, motivated sellers is now and will be always a top priority for investors. And it, and it really should be because I think motivated, getting leads, getting motivated sellers into your pipeline is sort of the blood that keeps the body alive, right? The minute you stop getting motivated seller leads, 
your your company is beginning to die at that point it is dying it's not it's not living so uh, i'm excited to talk about that but let's dive into a little bit more about you we, we're not gonna spend tons of time but i like to give people context of who they're talking to why we should listen what's your background like give us some information about you and then catch us up to how you got into this space Sure thing. So yeah, I'm in Pitt- I'm local in Pittsburgh. I'm just a normal guy. I got three kids. I'm 40 years old, 41. Uh, but a little bit about, about me, I got into digital marketing back in the early 2000s. So I was doing a lot on the SEO side. I deal with a lot of bigger e-commerce national companies. And then about six, seven years ago, I bought a property off of a real estate wholesaler. My first rental property, it needed like everything. So I bought it off him. I saw it that had, I paid like $15,000 wholesale fee, which was fine because the numbers made sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it got me thinking, I can start marketing locally. I, I just stuck up a carrot website, started marketing locally, see what could happen. And I crushed it. So uh, we started investing here. I'm sending overflow to like joint venture guys, stuff like that. But that switched my whole direction on the internet marketing too, because I was dealing with national, like really competitive stuff. Yeah. Dealing with local is a little bit easier. So we switched directions there and that's, how I started marketing in the real estate space. So give me some idea. Like in the very beginning, you said you threw up a carrot site and started marketing. What were you doing? What kind of marketing was getting you these leads? Yeah, so it's SEO and uh, Facebook's what I started with. Okay. So as, and if people if people don't know what SEO and F, like Facebook ads, SEO is ranking the free section of Google. So you're optimizing a website to rank in the free section. Facebook ads, you're just paying Facebook to push traffic to your website. Gotcha. And uh, so you've been using Facebook. When was this? When, when are we talking about? What time frame? Uh, this is probably six, seven years ago. Okay. Gotcha. So, okay. Around maybe 2015, 2014. Um and so, you know, just it's interesting. I'm, I'm curious to talk to you about this because I have tried Facebook several times. I've taken several runs at Facebook and every time it's been crash and burn and I've had different agencies, different people. It's just never worked out for me. And I don't know anybody that I'm that, that has legitimately cracked the code that I've talked to. So I'm interested to hear a little bit more about that. Uh, and then SEO, you mentioned, is the free section of Google. So everyone may or may not be aware that Google AdWords is the paid section, and that's the top you know, handful of responses that you get when you type something in. Those are ads. And so what you're talking about, though, is getting good at ranking in the free sections because paying for Google ads is not cheap, but certainly depending on the market that you're in and how competitive, competitive it is, it can get pretty pricey. So free ranking is actually pretty cool because it you know not everyone has the money and the budget to do all the marketing that you know paid marketing that that other people do um okay cool so you started with facebook and and started with google seo um what in the in the seo space um what kind of things do you see people doing just and utterly wrong like what what huge mistakes like if i hired you to come in and, and fix my seo situation what would be the first things you'd go to as low-hanging fruit that you pro- you could almost guarantee i'm not doing well yeah most one of the top things i see especially with the template type of websites like carrot fester all those types of sites is everyone has all those sites they're great because you can stick up a website in five minutes and they convert really well, but they all have the same content. Like everyone yeah. has the same content, except they change the city page. So one of the top tips I can give is rewrite the content, like rewrite it unique for you, because think about it from a search engine standpoint or computer standpoint. If you have two different websites with the same words in the same order, how can the search engine determine which one's more relevant? So you right. kind of get penalized. So it's a good <clears throat> way to get the upper hand, rewrite the content, make it uh, geared towards user too. Don't just keyword stuff. Gotcha. Okay, is that so? That's one of the things you go in and, and do first, I would assume. Um, so, if you 
if you don't have one of those carrot sites or, you know, one of these out of the box things, um, how important, and I know people stress out about this, how important to SEO is the aesthetics of the site? You don't want to have an ugly site. I get it. But how, how worried should you be about how, you know, cool it looks or how modern it looks? Is that a thing? Is that something that really matters? Yeah, I hear that a lot. It's funny you bring that up. So a lot of guys want these real fancy sites. So you, th okay, so think about our target audience. We're looking for people. They're looking for somebody local, a uh, normal guy. They're not looking for a big bank to come and pound them. Yep. So if you make a super fancy website that looks like a bank, do you think that person's comfortable filling out, asking you to come to their house? I'm going to give them like a fair offer. Uh, so the aesthetics, we want strong calls to action, which means like, like an easy way for someone to fill out a form. Normally we want things that, uh, are very direct. Like say, sell your house fast. We're cash home buyers. Don't mislead people saying we can buy your house for top dollar or whatever, uh, unless you can. Yeah. And, um, but the aesthetics, like my website, I mean, you guys can check it out on that site's 412houses.com. It's extremely basic and, uh, it's just, it's just like a bone stock and it converts like crazy. So, um, th if that gives you an idea, it's more important the traffic you get to that website and then the message on the website. Yeah, I'm looking at it now, actually. I just pulled it up. Yeah, it's not a bad website. It's not aesthetically not pleasing, but it is it is straightforward. I mean, it's, it's you know, it's yeah, not it's like it it's... blows your mind, but it certainly isn't off-putting in any way. Right. Yeah, so yeah, to answer your question there, because a lot of guys, they want to go spend all this money on websites, too. I'm like, get the traffic. Get the people coming to your website. Get the deals. Yeah. And then if you want to get fancy on your site, you can, but my website crushed it. We get like 10, 15 leads a week, and it's not. it's just basic. Yeah, I love it. I know. I see you have a testimonial page. Well, how valuable or how important is that to, to getting people to to you know sign on the dotted line or put their information in? Testimonials are big, um, especially whenever you're up against competition. And on Facebook, testimonial videos are good. So on Facebook, you can market to cold audiences, show them an ad, and then once they click your uh, ad and go to your website you can do retargeting. What that means is showing ads to people that have already engaged with you. Yeah. Retargeting videos are huge then because they've already shown intent. Now they're getting pummeled on Facebook by the algorithm with everyone else's ad. If you have strong testimonial videos, things like that, it, it could let you uh, get a step above the competition or make them feel more comfortable with you. Gotcha. I noticed on your testimonial page, and I want to go back to it before I say this and make a, a, a false statement. Yeah. So I don't see video testimonials. So I'm yeah. curious is that it, it, are video testimonials not significantly better than written testimonials or for like SEO purposes are the written word better? Is that, is that a thing? Well, you know what videos are better. So in my situation, I should have videos on there, but I only buy in one zip code here in Pittsburgh okay. and I send all my other leads to joint venture guys, like the wholesalers. So I usually don't put my face on it because it's 95% of the time you're not getting me. Gotcha. Gotcha. You know, okay. So you're getting those guys. Yep. And also like, I'm like the shoemaker with holes in my shoes. You know, <laughs> yeah, you know the, I mean? the, the uh, contractor who uh, has the roof that needs to be repaired. I got you. Yeah. And I'm not trying to like pick you apart here. I'm just curious because I, I, I just thought maybe maybe in the SEO world, the written word is easier for Google to, to you know, crawl through and find find, you know, words that are relevant. Um, yeah, okay. and it is. It is. But then also like you got different things. You got uh, focusing on the search engine with the words and the testimonials, things like that. But also then user experience, like what are people seeing? Yes. So it's a good combination to have both. Like if you have a testimonial with a video and you can put text underneath it talking about it and optimize that text, that's ideal. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. So talk about Facebook ads. Why? 
well, how do I ask this? I, I know Facebook is its own little universe, right? There's a lot of a lot of people in there, but why Facebook ads as opposed to what I talked about earlier, like Google ads? Like why why is Facebook something that you focus on? Yeah, so and and I do Google ads also. So we do Google SEO, Google pay per click, and Facebook. Okay. There's a difference. So on Facebook, you're paying per impression. On Google, you're paying per click, and you're and on Google, you're competing on a keyword basis, which means if I'm bidding, say 10 bucks on sell my house fast, that specific keyword, mm -hmm. I'm in direct competition with other investors in the city. Yeah. Just because no one else is competing for those phrases. Yep. Um, and also like sell my house fast versus sell my house are extremely different audiences also just from that one phrase. Yeah. Uh, on Facebook, we're competing on an impression base. So what we're doing is I'm saying, okay, in Pittsburgh, I want to show ads to in people's Facebook feed in Pittsburgh. And then we do a little bit like with your Facebook pixel, getting their behavior and getting the right people on the list. But we might spend $20 per thousand impressions. And we're not in direct competition with investors. We're in competition with like the bakery down the street, the shoe store, whoever else wants to show ads in that area. Right. So we can, Facebook, you can get a cheaper reach and click and lead usually than Google pay-per-click. But I'll even step back to, I'll normally run Facebook and we can add Google pay-per-click. Reason is if you're spending tw sometimes just 20 to $50 a click on Google pay-per-click, right. you get a hundred people go to the website and five convert. You have 95 people. You just spent 20 bucks to get to the website. If you don't have Facebook running behind it, retargeting, which means showing ads to those people, it's like extremely wasteful and it could, it could be not profitable for you. But if you have them working in combination, it's huge because you have that high intent person coming to the website. If they don't convert, you're living in their Facebook feed, especially if you have those testimonials. Yeah, that makes you know? sense. That makes sense. And so I was going to ask you, I mean, maybe you just partially or fully answered it. Um, how does someone know if they should be doing Facebook or Google? Is, is there, I think you said, when in doubt, maybe start with Facebook. Is that, is that true or start with Google? I always start with Facebook. Okay. Um, Google's so expensive. Like, like literally you're paying like 20 to 50. I have some people paying like $50 a click, like for one click. And you figure even a conversion, even if you had a 10% conversion rate, which is high, that's, you got to get a hundred clicks to get 10 leads. Yeah. And then out of 10 leads, you probably get one deal. So the numbers have to make sense there. Yeah. I always start with Facebook first and then add uh, Google pay per click on. Gotcha. You can, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, you can try Google pay-per-click in your area. It depends. Some areas have investors with super deep pockets and are, investors are in, super competitive. It's like, you just outrank me. Well, screw this. I'm up in my bid. Yeah. And it gets really expensive. So I've heard people say, go into your, your competitors, Google ads and just click all day long. Like just pay someone to click all day long and put them out of business. Like, is that a real thing or is that just silliness? You can click the, I mean, well, number one, it's a shitty way to live. Yeah, it is. Um, but you can click their ads. Google Google's going to catch your IP address. It, like you might you might get them once or twice. Yeah. Um, and you know what? A tip on that too. If you're running your Google ads, there's a company called ClickSees. I think it's C L I C K C E A S E. Uh, you can integrate with them. It's cheap. It's like 40, 50 bucks a month. What they do in your Google Pay Per Click campaign is they mark, they grab everyone's IP. Once someone clicks your ad, they blacklist that IP address so they can't click your ad again. Like oh. it won't show for them to click. Oh, that's cool. Okay. Now, now a little bit more legit question. Um, I've heard people also say as a way of kind of like hacking the, the Google system a little bit is if you have a, a competitor in your market, a, a big competitor is bid on their name, bid on their company name. Is that a legit strategy or is that again, another shitty way to live? No, no, that is a strategy. Like, especially like we got guys here, like Pittsburgh cash home buyer. 
That's a keyword. That's also a brand name to someone here in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you can bid on people's names. That's fair game. Yeah. Um, just because they can, they can also bid out. Like I look at it. Okay. They, they should be, they should be bidding on their name. Number one, they mm-hmm. should be bidding enough to be the top spot also. Yeah. If they're not, that's their fault. Okay. Um, so I'm down for that one. Okay. Just not I, yeah. I heard people talk stuff. about that, like bidding at somebody else's name if they're big enough. That's interesting. Um, so in this market that we're in now, it's it's so competitive, right? This is so, such a different market than it was, you know, 10 years ago and even three years ago. It's just so crazy. How do you suggest people adapt their lead gen strategy to accommodate and, and take into account what's happening in the market? Yeah, so... You want to, I, there's a couple of different things you can do. Number one, like you were talking with testimonials, like build a brand, build something that's when people see it, it's trustworthy. And then also be extremely direct with your marketing. Like I see a lot of guys will do Facebook ads saying, Hey, get your free home valuation, find out how much your house is worth. Uh, that's going to get you a whole ton of leads for extremely cheap, but they're not looking to sell their house. They're just, I mean, you, you might get 300 leads and get a deal. You'll find somebody, but be extremely direct, pay them, pay more money per lead saying, hey, we're cash home buyers or sell your house fast or we buy houses. Like be extremely direct in your messaging. Don't try to trick people. And if you are, you'll get the people that actually want to sell their house call you. Yeah. And you're and you're weeding out all the other people too that you don't want. So true. I was having so I do a QA on Wednesdays on Facebook and somebody asked a question about marketing tips. And you know, and then maybe this doesn't happen as much as it used to, but there used to be this trend uh with you know gurus who are who had these great like postcards that uh, bring in so many leads, but they were always like super aggressive or scare tactics, like you know, final warning, you know, would be like at the top right. of the card. And it's like, yeah, that's that's going to get a lot of people to call you, but none of them want to sell you their house. They're either mad or scared. You're just agitating people. It's not, you know, yeah. if you, I was, I always tell people if you, you know, if you're a parent and someone sends you a postcard that says, I have your kid. And if you ever want to see him again, call me, you're going to get a hundred percent response rate from parents, but nobody's going to sell you, do business with you, sell you their house. Right? So these like scare tactics are, are just absurd. You could, the goal isn't to get more leads, the goal is to get good leads, good motivated sellers. Right. So to that end, can you give folks any tips on how to, how to in their marketing, differentiate between a lead, a phone call, a response, and actually something that's of value to them? Okay, so, so here's what you have. You have whatever platform you're using, Google, Facebook, whatever, they send traffic to your website. And, and we'll even talk about that a little more in, in a bit because on Facebook, you can <clears throat> target traffic on Facebook or to your website. But let's say they're going to your website. The first thing you want to do is capture their information, like grab their phone number, grab their email on your form. But then what I like to do also is after they give us that information, we capture that, then ask additional questions, like confirm uh, your property is not listed on the market. Uh, How much work does your property need? How fast do you want to sell it? Uh, Why do you want to sell it? Ask those additional questions. It's going to do a couple things. Number one, it's going to give you an indication on if they're motivated. And it's also going to weed out the people. If you're asking, is it listed on a market? You know that. You don't even have to deal with the person. They're already on the MLS. And also the people that aren't super motivated, they're like, oh, boy, this is a lot of questions. I'm out of here. Mm-hmm. That's so a good point. It, I never heard of that. But that's actually pretty, pretty, pretty accurate, I think. Yeah. But you do want to capture their phone number because you still want to call them. You know, yeah. so you catch it on the first step. Yep, totally. What are some of the, like, if you had to, like, boil it down to, a, you know, a handful, maybe two or three questions that helps you determine whether or not they're motivated? What, what are the questions that are, you're really trying to get the motivation or, or find out if they're motivated? I want to know why. 
Like my number one thing when I'm talking with someone, I want to know why are you selling? And normally they're not going to like and more. That's actually a little bit, not even online. Cause normally the first why they tell you is not real. Yeah. And then they actually tell you the real reason because we're trying to buy properties, but try to solve their problem. They have a problem. I don't know what it is. Maybe they, it needs too much work or maybe they can't walk the steps, whatever it is. If you can find that and figure out how to help them, it, it will generally be, be a win-win situation versus just trying to scoop up properties. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's so true. I, I find that asking people, it's interesting if you ask them when they, cause I think people are, let me just, I'm sort of stumbling now, but when I think people are defensive by nature, especially when they're talking to someone who they feel like they will soon be in some sort of a negotiation with. And like you said, the first thing they tell you for motivation is usually not true. Right. And right. why is it not true? Because they're trying to play this negotiation game and they're, and they're, they're holding back and, and they're not, they don't trust you, frankly, because they don't know you, they shouldn't trust you. But one question that I find, and tell me if you agree or disagree, it's totally fine if you disagree. But, um, a question that I find that is usually pretty telling to their motivation, but doesn't make them feel like they're giving away too much in the negotiation is asking them how soon they want to sell. And so when someone yeah. says, Oh, you know, I, you know, they, they give you bad motivation, or, or but if they say they have to sell by the end of the month, like you can cut through a lot of crap and realize if they have to sell by the end of the month, there's real motivation here. Something's really going on, whether they're telling us or not. But, but it's like, I think sometimes people try to put their cards close to the vest, but they'll tell you they want to sell in four weeks. You know, like that, that tells you a lot when they're that in a, in a hurry to sell for whatever reason. So yeah, and I 100% agree on that. Great. So all right. Any other things that people should be aware of before we wrap up? Like any any parting words or if people like are like, you know what? This guy it sounds like he knows what he's talking about. And I'm really lost here. Uh, how can people find you? How can people get a hold of you? Because you do help people do this. You're not just on here talking about it randomly. You have been doing this for a long time. Uh, I'm just looking here at some things. 5,000 plus motivated leads generated by you and your team. Uh, $5 million spent on leads. Why is that important? Because anybody who has spent five million dollars doing something they have learned a lot along the way i'm sure some of that five million wasn't well spent and some of it was and so if you want to avoid spending five million to figure out what brian knows go straight to brian like ask him what he figured out and get him to help you um and and then there's a stat this is one that jumped out of the page at me 95 percent of the people that you're working with close deals in the first month that you work with them that's huge because honestly that's the question i would imagine you're going to get from most people when they come to you, they're going to go, Brian, this all sounds great, but how soon can I expect to start seeing great leads that I can actually do something with? And it sounds like pretty much right away, right? Like I know you can't control their sales process and what their sales team says to people. And there's things that are outside of your control, but generally speaking, you're going to drive leads that are meaningful and valuable pretty darn quick into their system. And then it's up to them to actually have the sales skills to, to close those things. Yeah, hundred percent. And, and to clarify on that too, um, in the first month, we're looking like you may not close that deal for three months. Yeah. But the lead that comes in in the first yeah, month. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you. No one. Yeah, 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 for sure. You can't control the sales cycle, but knowing right. that they're going to be, they're not going to wait three months to start getting quality leads. That's right. that's yeah. the real thing, right? Uh, because I, I think that most people would be would be bummed to hear that. So knowing that they're coming right away. But how can people find you? How can they get a hold of you if they want to learn more? Yeah, you just go to our website, motivated-leads.com motivated-leads.com. Yep. 
com. And then I assume there's some sort of a vetting process or how, how does it work if people want to work with you? Is it just, just drop you a message and you get back to them or there's a, some kind of a, a process where you want to learn more about their business? Yeah, basically. So we work with seasoned investors. They're going to, you go on a website, you fill out a form. And uh, if you have, if you have enough budget and you qualify, we'll set up a call. So at the end of the form, it will give you our calendar link. Just book a time and we hop on chat, see if it's a good fit. Nice. Nice. I love it. Any parting words, anything you want to leave people with before we go? Uh, one thing on the motivated, uh, going back to that, one other tip that I can give you guys, whenever you get an online lead, after someone submits a form, if you can set up an automatic text message to send to the lead saying, hey, thanks for filling out a form on my website. Here's a link to my calendar, like a Calendly link. Mm -hmm. We have about a 40% book rate uh, without, like say someone fills out a form at two in the morning. They get this text message. They can book a time for someone to come see them. Wow. And what that does, it does a couple of things. Number one, it shows you motivation. But if you're in Google pay-per-click, uh, those three websites, a lot of times they fill out all three of those. Mm -hmm. You kind of stop them in their tracks. They feel like they've accomplished what they need to. And it kind of cuts out the competitions too. So there's a tip for you there. Yeah, that's huge actually. And that's great because I do tell my team too, whenever you're talking to a seller on the phone or whatever, somebody calls in, set an appointment. And I don't even care necessarily if they don't have access to my sales team's calendar at the moment, like set the appointment and we'll reschedule if we have to, because the minute that that seller sets an appointment, problem, right. problem taken care of. They're just going to wait for the appointment. There's no need for them to continue to try to solve the problem because in their mind, they've taken that first step to solve it and they're kind of feel like they're, they've accomplished something. So that's a great tip. And especially like you said, three o'clock in the morning, they fill that thing out and set an appointment. They don't need to fill out any more forms. They've already got an appointment. Why would they do it? So that's right. a great one, man. I appreciate it. Brian, thanks for coming on and sharing. You've given out some great tips for sure. Uh, again, if people want to get a hold of you one more time, what's that website? motivated-leads.com. Got it. And we'll have that in the show notes, guys, so that you can click on that when you have time. If you're out you know, driving or running on a treadmill or something, just uh, go to our show notes and we'll have that for you. Brian, thanks for your time. Thanks for your knowledge. I appreciate it, man. Hey, thanks, man. Good time. All right. Thanks a lot. All right. Motivated Sellers is the name of the game. You should always be trying to get yourself and get your people in front of as many motivated sellers as possible. It's really how you grow and scale your business. It's the lifeblood of your business. More motivated sellers, more motivated leads. That's how you grow your business and that's how you become profitable. Uh, Brian can definitely help you do that. He's got a company that can help you, but the name of the game is figure it out, get it done. Whether you pay Brian to do it, whether you figure it out on your own, he gave you some great tips and strategies for free, but you need, you absolutely need to take the motivated seller leads that you're getting and really maximize those and get as many of them as you possibly can. All right, guys, go check them out if you want. I'm uh, very excited to bring folks on like this because I want you to grow your business right now. And if you're having trouble finding deals, right? I have a program, I can help you as well. Just have to go to find and fund blueprint.com. That's findandfundblueprint.com. I'm going to teach you how to find those leads. I'm going to teach you how to close those sellers. I'm going to teach you how to get funding for all your deals. Bottom line, I want your business to explode right now. Not in a year, not in five years. I want to give you the tools and strategies to grow your business now. Go check it out. Findandfundblueprint.com.